Hey, good morning, and welcome to another episode of AI Buzz. I'm your host, Nick. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Some great artificial intelligence and machine learning stories for you. Let's go. What are we going to talk about? First up, MLPerf. It's an awesome benchmarking model. IBM Watson combining with the NFL. BERT. And no, not the BERT from Sesame Street. Talk about that. And last, really excited about this, Google and Fitbit. How is it going to affect artificial intelligence efforts by Google? All that and more. Let's go. MLPerf. What is it? Well, machine learning models and machine learning hardware are coming out rapidly. And this is only going to accelerate as we become more reliant on this technology to power our everyday lives. With so many new models and so many new pieces of hardware, how do we choose the best combination? This problem's pretty much been solved by CPUs and GPUs. Testing software exists to run these components through a battery of tests, and then it gives the user a final score to see how their hardware compares to others. I remember back in the day, 3D Mark was the go-to one. Um, now there's a lot more modern approaches to compare components within your computer. Some people go really hardcore with this too. They, you know, I think I heard one story back in the day about a guy using like liquid nitrogen or something to cool off his PC so he could overclock his both his CPU and GPU, and so he'd get one of the highest scores in 3D Mark. So people take this very seriously. They like benchmarking. They like uh, kind of competing with others to see how their hardware compares to others. And this uh, has been pretty straightforward with CPUs and GPUs because they're all fairly similar. They um, have similar architecture. They, they do similar things. And it makes a lot more sense than trying to apply it to something like machine learning. Developing a machine learning test is a different animal altogether. There's so many different types of specialized hardware to complete the tasks, in addition to so many different types of models. And these models oftentimes will work in very different ways and use the available hardware differently. Additionally, the field of artificial intelligence encompasses a lot of diverse tasks, such as natural language processing, computer vision, machine learning, that type of stuff. Developers are working towards quantifying a comparison between machine learning software and hardware with the MLPerf package. MLPerf.org is their website. You should definitely check them out. Creators of this package will put your rig through a wide variety of different AI tasks, such as NLP, computer vision, and give performance scores on each of those. One difference between this and the CPU and GPU benchmarks is that out of, out of MLPerf, you won't get a single score because it's a lot more complicated. And you'll instead get a set of scores that shows how well your hardware does on each of these tasks that it puts it through. And for each of those tasks, there's several factors that go into it too. So you won't get a single score out of it. 
which I think some people will be disappointed in, but you really can't assign a single score to this this task because it's there's so many different things you can test with it, and there's so many configurations that you can test with it. It's probably good that they don't have just a single score. Um, the project is small currently, but more and more users are submitting their setups to be tested, and it's a much-needed creation for the ML space. Um, you know, so many configurations tasks are possible. And until now, there's really no way to compare them. MLPerf.org, check them out. Next up, the National Football League is a major business in the United States. Surprise, surprise. Players are paid multi-million dollar contracts, and in some cases even more, in endorsements. Grob Gronkowski with Tide Pods. These outrageous contracts are fueled by fans always demanding more brutal hits and wild feats of athletics. Another piece of NFL is fantasy football, where fans can essentially draft their own customized teams and compete amongst their friends to see who's better. Almost and always involves some sort of betting, but it's neither here nor there. I have definitely never put any money on a fantasy sports team. Disclaimer. Fantasy football, it's fueled by the vast amount of player data that is available. So for each player, they have history. Um, in this game, in this season, they ran this amount of yards against this opponent. They have lots of numbers. For each player that's about to be drafted, they have yards covered, sacks, yard, yards thrown, and ESPN, the creators of fantasy football, try to predict the score, how many points that player is going to get in an upcoming game. And they use all these different statistics about the uh, about different players to generate those predictions. IBM Watson, however, is getting on board with fantasy football. And they are going to, this is actually, um, they are um, assisting in making their predictions more accurate. They've created AI Watson Insights, which will allow fantasy fiends to leverage the power of one of the world's most impressive AI systems. There's a really, really good and detailed blog article on the IBM website that you should totally check out. It goes into some really nitty-gritty detail of how it works. But the long and short of it is, instead of just looking at these raw statistics against certain opponents and you know yards yards ran Watson's going to be focused more on the real-time news and the real-time stats Watson's going to be able to read I should be saying Watson can read because this this is actually out there right now if you go into the IBM cloud this you can you can actually play around with this and, and use this to make predictions with your fantasy team. So so Watson can read millions of articles and watch the latest videos and interviews as well as listen to podcasts. And what it's going to do is it digests all of this latest information and it's going to be providing insights into how well the players will perform. So this is a much different approach than looking at historical, uh, you know, kind of statistics. And it's really 
trying to tackle how are these players performing like right now today how are they doing are they injured today are they expected to do really well today that's really how you are going to get great predictions so this is a fantastic tool for anyone who wants to crush their friends in fantasy football so tools are out there to win with watson so it's going to be a distillation of just huge amounts of data However, even with that advantage, I feel like I would still find a way to lose. But maybe I'll try it out. Maybe I'll try it out and see how I do. <laughs> Next up, Burt. Not the Burt from Sesame Street. This is a different type of Burt. Traditional natural language processing models relied on using word embeddings. And those are mappings of each word in a sentence and a corpus to different features in a model. And essentially what you get is you get this huge feature space with all these different embeddings. And it's really just, it really is not able to understand the context of your text. And this is a huge downfall in kind of traditional natural language processing methods because the same word can be used in completely different ways in English. Um, trying to think of an example, but there, there's there's so many different, uh, you know, and even even words that are spelled the same can be uh, like read and read. One's past tense. One is uh, uh, you know, present tense. So it's remarkably complex, and just looking at the embeddings does not capture those nuances. It does not capture, uh, you know, kind of how the word's being used. It doesn't really look at surrounding features. It doesn't look at surrounding words and how it fits into the greater scheme of your sentence or your corpus. So from this, some of the more recent models that are out there are these these long short long short term neural networks so lstm networks a lot of work being done on those recently they try to understand the context by creating mappings of each of the words as well as surrounding words and this sort of solves the context problem but it's still looks at only preceding words. So it's really good for predicting the next word in a sequence. These were these are kind of the uh, kind of the cutting edge until 2018 when researchers from Google released BERT. BERT has changed the state of natural language processing and has changed the trajectory completely. The novel aspect of BERT is that instead of looking forward to predict the next word in a sequence like those long short-term long short-term memory networks do. So those ones look back, they look at the current word, and then they look back and try to predict the future word. BERT will actually look both ways. So how this works is they will take a sentence and they'll mask a certain word in that sentence during the training phase. And then it's going to be looking at 
how the words before that mass word affect the outcome and words after the mass word affect the outcome. So it's, it's training it on uh, both directions. And the B for BERT stands for bidirectional. So it's looking at, at both the forward and the backward ways in which the word is used. So BERT really has changed natural language processing. And there's been tons of work building off of BERT. It's enabled a lot of new products. And I just wanted to kind of cover BERT because I think it's really cool. And I kind of wanted to explain it at a very high level, how it works with the looking forward as well as backwards in terms of uh, predicting on, on masked words during training phases. So many applications of natural language processing. I know OpenAI is, uh, has their, recently they released their text generator. And, you know, it, we're getting to a point with NLP that, you know, it's essentially writing full stories. So pretty wild stuff. Thanks, Google. Next up and last up. This story I've been thinking about for quite a while. And I'm really excited about it. So many people would say that data is the most valuable asset of an organization. And I think this is true for a lot of organizations and definitely true for some of the, the big tech companies, um, such as Google, Facebook. These companies rely completely on their collection of data. And then they use that data to target and bring in ad revenue because they're good at targeting. And then that's how they that's how they stay in business. That's how they have grown so big. So collecting data sets on users is of utmost importance. Google's a great example. Google Google definitely has the most data, the most diverse data on us. If you think about it, they're the go-to source for maps, email, mobile operating system, tons of other things too. They're just, they're real. If you think about it, they're really in everything. So these services are all free to consumers. And at first glance, you say, well, what, what exactly is Google? Why are these all free? What, what are you, what are they really getting out of it? You know, maps, you know, Google maps, must require some some tremendous resources. Street View, Google Earth, um, you know, these products are not cheap to be releasing. Google gets out of these services solely one thing, and that is data. This type of data from so many diverse sources on billions of different people is actually priceless. It, it tells the whole story of your entire life. And it gives them real-time information on exactly what you're doing now, what you want now, where you're going, you know, who your friends are. They they really it's pretty freaky what they what they have on you. And um, the dominance of Android operating system is huge. So they're able, you know, we're we're going to be to a more mobile world. Them having insight into your your on-the-go life is is just tremendous. So now, you, I'm sure you've heard about this, Google has recently acquired Fitbit. It's the 
the hot smartwatch company that you know lots of people love. I myself don't have one, but I've been thinking about getting one. It'd be kind of cool. From what I've seen, you can track how many steps you can get per day, uh, what your heart rate is. You might be able to do other things as well. Um, but essentially, what you can, what it can do, is give a pretty like decent understanding of what your current state of health is. You know, if you're getting 500 steps a day and your your pulse is 120. Like you're not, you're probably not doing so hot, you know, and and you know, vice versa. It can tell if you're really fit. It can market certain things to you if 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 Google finds out that you are active. So this is something that Google has not had insight into before, which is your health. In addition to location and and what you're saying to your your most loved ones, they'll be able to see your pulse rate and you know how healthy you are. And I'm sure they'll they'll be working to put additional sensing mechanisms into these smartwatches to get allow them to get even more data from from Fitbits. And they, they may even release other products too that you know can only enhance their their data collection efforts. From a machine learning perspective, this is absolutely fascinating. Google's going to be able to further expand people's profiles with you know a really valuable, diverse data source. They're going to be able to improve their targeting ability even more. You know, so their bottom line is going to really love this acquisition, I think, because, yeah, targeting is going to get even better. From a consumer perspective, this is absolutely terrifying. You know, Google now has another piece of our lives, and, you know, especially with health data, it's a really freaky data set for them to have because, um, you know, in the United States, healthcare is not available to everyone. And we have these pretty crooked insurance companies that, you know, if, if they had access to this type of data, I'm sure they would try to find a way to discriminate against people who are not in good health. You know, they would, they would have, make your premiums higher and make you essentially pay more money if they feel like you are in poorer health than others. So I'm really hoping, and everyone's really hoping, that Google is able to keep this data to themselves and, you know, be smart about it and not let it get into the hands of some of these insurance companies. And, yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out. I really hope it goes well because uh, it, is, it is a scary thing from a consumer perspective. So, Google and Fitbit, we will see. I'll keep you posted on that if there's any developments. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of AI Buzz. My name is Nick. What did I talk about today? Talked about MLPerf. It's perfect for benchmarking. IBM Watson, able to digest articles, podcasts, videos, and make some crazy predictions with fantasy football. Try it out. By the way, if you use this and uh, you win your, you win your uh, pot of money from fantasy, I legally am obligated to take 20% of your winnings. That's in, the, that's in the fine print listening to this podcast. Bert, changing natural language processing. 
Can't wait to see where this tech goes in the coming years. It was released in 2018, and you know it's only been out for a year, and we're already seeing some great developments out of it. Google and Fitbit, a scary and fascinating acquisition. That's about it. That's all I have for you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of AI Buzz. My name is Nick. Give me a follow if you enjoy this podcast. I really enjoy making it, and I'll be back very, very soon with more machine learning and artificial intelligence stories. Have a fantastic day. Bye.